If we can find the source of love within ourselves, however we get there, by doing our art, by falling in love, by meditating, however you get there, find a way to touch that place of love and power within yourself and share it because the world needs you to and it makes life a lot more fun. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. We have a really outstanding and interesting guest to share with you today. His name is Jeffrey Harris. And 12 years ago, Jeffrey began to focus on a problem facing a growing segment of the public who, while preferring to decrease their consumption of animal product, found little in the way of convenient alternatives in their busy lives. So with that in mind, he set out to create an entirely new restaurant concept, vegan fast food. He started this in 2015 with a couple of partners, and they created Plant Power Fast Food, a plant-based version of traditional fast food drive through brands like McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger, Jack in the Box, and others. They are now focused on building a nationwide chain of vegan fast food restaurants to offer a new, healthier, cruelty-free, and environmentally sustainable option for the growing number of consumers exploring new food and lifestyle choices. Pretty cool concept. Jeffrey, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us here today. Dr. Richard, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I'm so curious because, you know, I've run across people who identify as vegans. I've run across people who identify as plant-based. And some of them, it's like an ideological thing. It's built into their blood. Like that's who they are. And for other people, it's a health choice. So I'm curious, and we'll kind of, we'll get this out of your story what put you on this journey? Like, did you just, as a kid, did you, you know, hate eating animals? Well, you know, how did this really start for you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we hear the word vegan or plant-based and, uh, you know, there's a lot of dimensions and a lot of way to look at that. For myself, I actually uh, became a vegetarian at the age of 14. And uh, I basically started, uh, it started to slowly dawn on me that uh, the bacon I was eating was a pig. Uh, the hamburger was a a cow and so on and so on. Actually, in my bar mitzvah speech way back in 1973, for those of you who are, are a little bit younger, that's slightly after the invention of the wheel and before electricity. Just kidding. But even at my bar mitzvah speech, I spoke about the sanctity of life, you know, but I hadn't quite kind of, kind of connected that yet. And when I was 14, I was sitting around the kitchen table with my family uh, about to have some veal. And I asked, what is veal? And my mother told me. And something kind of clicked in me at that very moment. I just realized that I didn't want to be part of creating that kind of suffering in the world. Years later in my 30s, I extended my vegetarianism to veganism for the same reason. I basically came to understand 
you know, uh, as a vegetarian, I thought that you didn't kill the kid, uh, the chicken for the eggs or the cow for the milk. But if you actually look at how factory farming works, that's not exactly true. So at that point, I think when I was around 35 or 36, I went vegan. So the, the, the basis of plant power, fast food for me was kind of an ethical dimension. If we can create less suffering in the world, let's do it. Um, but there's so many other dimensions of a plant-based diet these days. There's certainly a lot of people are in it uh, from a health dimension, wanting to lower their cholesterol, stay alive longer. A lot of people are cognizant these days of the impact that animal agriculture has on the environment and climate change. So people really approach this from a, a lot of different angles. Let's talk specifically first about, you mentioned environmental impact. So talk to us about that, because a lot of people have I, I certainly haven't given much credence to what does that mean to have a, you know, essentially a factory, if you will, to produce, yeah. you know, yeah. meat or, or you know. Beyond Meat did a study, for example, where they found out that uh, the, the kind of energy and resources and water it takes to create a quarter pound plant-based beefy patty is, is almost a 99% less than what is required to do that for an actual piece of meat. That's, that was astounding to me. And I hope I have my figures right, because I'm appearing on your podcast as an expert, but I'm pretty close. The other dimension that a lot of people don't know about is climate change. And when I heard that animal agriculture is actually the leading cause of climate change, I frankly found it unbelievable. Uh, in my mind, I'm putting together all the coal stacks, cars, transportation, the burning of fossil fuels. But amazingly, if you combine the methane component, which is a much more intense greenhouse gas, and carbon dioxide, animal agriculture is actually the leading cause of climate change, and it's astounding. Again, I found that unbelievable. I have a very scientific bent, so I've done a lot of research. So if you look at the, the big picture of the planet, if you look at the billions of billions of people that are on the planet, I know I sounded like Carl Sagan for a moment, billions and billions of people, um, and you think about what is the long-term uh, requirements of human civilization, uh, more and more, it's becoming apparent to the great minds of our time that a plant-based diet is the solution. And what I mean by that is not that everybody goes whole hog, no pun intended, 100% um, vegan like myself. But what it does mean is that gradually um, we begin to rely less on products from animal agriculture, where the kind of energy and resources that's required are uh, unsustainable and move more and more to plant-based options. And of course, none of us are strangers to plant-based food. We've all had salads. You know, we've got uh, tomatoes and, and lettuce on our hamburgers. I mean, it's not unusual. What's changing is um, the kind of desire for meaty or protein kind of uh, products uh, is being resolved by uh, a new industry that's creating, you know, plant-based chicken type stuff or plant-based beefy type stuff or uh, with a company named Ami Foods in Asia now, plant-based pork and chicken type stuff, so, so that people that don't wanna make huge changes in their life or their diet can have stuff that looks and tastes like what they like, but without having a negative impact, both on the, on the planet, but also on their health with regard to cholesterol and artificial ingredients and antibiotics and things like that. Let's take a deeper dive into that. That's a perfect segue because you had initially kind of teased health, teased the environment. So, you know, talk to us, Jeffrey, about the long-term data on what it shows uh, the impact on one's health of having a plant-based diet versus, you know, one where you eat meat and everything else. 
Great. Well, I'm not a doctor or scientist, nor do I play one on TV, but I've done a lot of research over the years. What we now know is that the consumption of animal products is linked to heart disease, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, uh, obesity. Um, the, 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 the science and the data are in, and it's actually huge. The first part of that is something that we're all familiar with, which is the consumption of cholesterol and, un, and unnecessary fat. So we all get that. But over time, there's been a, uh, more and more um, science that shows us the impact of the consumption of animal products across the health spectrum, specifically with those issues, stroke, you know, cardiovascular, as I said. Uh, what we also now know, and this is unusual, and I wouldn't have guessed this years ago, is that the consumption of cooked meat, meat that's been heated to a certain degree, is now associated um, with cancer. And that's that's kind of a relatively new fat. Cooked meat, especially red meats, is now considered to be carcinogen on the level of tobacco. And that's certainly nothing I heard about many, many years ago. So that's very new. But if anybody wants to see, does he know what he's talking about? Uh, the most important thing I would see, I would say, is to kind of start to explore around the edges one of the largest nutritional studies that's ever occurred, and that's called the China study. And if you don't want to read a big book, and I would recommend you don't, then you could watch the movie called Forks Over Knives. And what the China study basically found out, among other things, is that um, casein, which is the protein that you find in dairy products, uh, actually uh, accelerates the growth of cancer in the human body. So dairy products uh, that we commonly drink and consume and eat in the form of yogurt and stuff like that all have casein in them. And here's the good news. Casein is great for you if you're a baby cow. However, if you're not a baby cow, casein is not that good for you. So there's really more and more scientific studies out there. Now, what's interesting is that you have ethically-based vegans, kind of like myself, who learn later about the health benefits. You know, I, I, I remember going to, into Santa Cruz, California in my late teens and having my first experience with vegetables that didn't come out of a can and brown rice and tofu. And I was thinking, what is this thing, food you speak of? And it was like a revelation that food could be healthy and not junky. But there are ethical vegans that are thrilled to be eating, um, you know, vegan donuts and vegan candy and all that stuff because they 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 just don't want to consume animals. Of course, I applaud that. And then there are kind of plant-based folks that don't care that much about the animals, but they found that eating kind of organic whole foods, a diet consisting of greens and vegetables and legumes are better for, better for their bodies. And then there's a lot of young people these days that are concerned about the environment. So they're just wanting to stay out of animal products in general. So there's so many different ways that people come to this. And my own feeling is after doing all this research is this, um, reducing our intake of animal products. And I say reducing, because I don't want to come on here as a born again vegan and freak everybody out and get any hate mail, just to say. But if each one of us kind of looks at the consumption of animal products in our diet, and as we reduce those, you know, we have the possibility of not only living a healthier life, making a contribution to this beautiful planet we all share. And also, if it matters to you, and it does to me, going a little easier on our animal friends. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So, you know, this is all really good stuff, Jeffrey. And you you mentioned along your journey, like this started for you at a young age. When did you decide, what was the lightning bolt that said, you know, I'm, I'm going to create a, a plant-based fast food company? Because nobody had really done it. Yeah, it's really true. Um, you know, back in the, I'd say, mid to late 80s, uh, I had a cool restaurant idea. And that's when I was... Um, a uh, vegetarian, but not yet vegan. And uh, a friend of mine named Benji Chaikin and I, we wanted to create what in my mind at the time was kind of a hippie vegetarian restaurant with an acoustic music venue and a spiritual bookstore. That gives you a sense of me in the 70s and 80s. That was my dream. And what was really interesting, we never were able to get that off the ground. We were young and inexperienced. I wasn't that smart then, nor am I now. But back then, uh, we couldn't raise any money. I mean, we were trying to raise money. I didn't really have a business plan or understand what I was doing. But what came up time and time again, which really shocked me, is that people said, hey, I have no interest in, in, in investing in your dumb little hippie veggie restaurant. But if you could do something, if you could show me a model that's scalable and repeatable, there's millions of dollars of investment money out there. And that never left me. It just kind of stuck with me. I thought, wow. So, of course, as I mentioned years later, I went vegan um, when I was probably around 36. I think the last thing to go is cream cheese. That's the journey of Jewish vegans. The last thing to go is cream cheese, just saying. So in the mid-90s, I had gone vegan. And uh, later in life, I think around 2008, I was basically accidentally successful as a senior regional sales manager for a large professional audio manufacturer. I started as a, in a music store years before become an independent sales rep. And I was kind of a, a regional sales manager making a decent living, selling the kind of product you'd find in a concert sound venue or a recording studio, a performing arts center, working with just wonderful people and having a pretty cool life. And I, I succeeded by just kind of doing human one-on-one stuff, being kind, being honest, calling people back, learning about the technology as quickly as I could. And even though I felt very blessed, I was able to buy a house and a decent car and have a nice life. I found myself asking myself a question. And I think that the way I posed the question to myself was different. I said to myself, self, I didn't really say that, self. But what I asked myself is, hey, Jeffrey, if you could do anything, that's a really interesting beginning of a question to ask yourself. If anything's possible, what would you want to do? And I think at that time, my mind was kind of expanding with the ideas that we limit ourselves with a lot of self-imposed ideas based on our past, um, our history, uh, the society around us. But because of the meditation practices that I was doing at that time and kind of the spiritual contemplative dimension of my life, I was coming to the conclusion that a lot of these limited ideas we believe about ourselves or what is possible just naturally limit us. What would happen if we just didn't believe in these limits. And so I asked myself, Jeffrey, what would you do if you could do anything? And the thing that kept coming up, and it had crossed my mind once or twice, 
Bill the vegan worldwide version of McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, Carl's Jr. That's what kept coming up for me. And I thought to myself, okay, that's too big. <laughs> Let's not do that. How do you do that? I don't know how to do that. Uh, but the idea literally wouldn't leave me. And uh, what I did notice right away, though, I knew that although I had worked in uh, vegetarian restaurants as a, a dishwasher and a busboy and a host and a waiter, I didn't really exactly know how to do this. And so I went out on a search for a partner that might be dumb enough like me to have this crazy vision, but also have the operational expertise, the kind of other puzzle piece that I didn't have. And after years of searching, I found Mitch Wallace, um, who was a very talented vegan restaurateur. How many of those are there, right? And he had at that time, what may have been one of the first vegan fast food restaurants in the world in San Diego called Evolution Fast Food. And then with him, is at the time young protege, a guy named Zach Voga. And these guys actually had the same idea, the same vision that I had. They were kind of looking for the business head part of it. I was looking for the operational head part of it. And that's when the the, the three of us started kind of working together on our dream. I love that. And so, you know, take us through the, what does this look like? Does it look like, you know, hamburgers and fries, you know, does it look like celery sticks? What does this look like in, in practice? That's a great idea. Our menu, I, I, you know, our menu ranges from what I like to call burgers, fries, shakes, and I'm using my air quotes, chicken tenders to healthier wraps, sandwiches, fresh juices, a children's menu and uh, a breakfast menu. And really it's kind of like any of those restaurants out there that have kind of a larger menu. So in and out, for example, they make it simple. in and outs great with their models. Like, you go in, you pick a burger, you pick a fries, you go. There's not a lot of selection there. And I think some consumers like that. But because we wanted to capture people where they were in the fast food lane and give them that plant-based option, we kind of have a bit a bit of a wide offering. And so it is kind of a, a wider McDonald's style menu. And really, if you walked in and no one told you, you'd think that you're in a fast food restaurant. If no one said, hey, it's plant-based, or if you didn't look carefully and see that we're using little quotes around beefy patty or, you know, chicken nuggets, you might miss it and, and not really quite know. So it really looks a lot like walking into a traditional fast food restaurant. And so talk to us about the nationwide rollout coming, you know, coming soon to a city near you. Where, where are we now? And what's the roadmap look like for these? Oh, I'd say we're four or 500 restaurants short so far. So let's talk about that for a moment. One of the things that we've discovered when doing market research is the size of the market. And that's what's really interesting. If you look at 2021 numbers, the fast food industry in the US was worth about 281 billion. Depending on when you Google it, it might be 290 or 279, but basically that's the size of the fast food market last year. The other mega trend that's interesting is what we would call flexitarians. And most of our customers aren't vegans or vegetarians. I'd say 80% or 85% or more are what I jokingly say are normal people. They're not crazy vegans and veggies like me. And so what, what the restaurant industry and the consumer packaged good industry has found out is that about 35% of the U.S. population are now flexitarians. What does that mean? They're veggie curious, veggie adjacent. Uh, the, the guy might still go out and have a steak on the weekend with his friends, but maybe he's mostly vegetarian at home or, uh, you know, people are looking at 
They're open to eating veggie burgers. They're open to having a vegan lasagna. They're open to having more salads in their in their uh, diet. And so what we're seeing is that flexitarian thing has grown quite a bit over the years, which we've witnessed, right, in the explosion of Whole Foods markets and Sprouts markets and national vegan restaurant chains like Veggie Grill. We could see this trend that has been exploding over 30 years in the area of more organic or less processed or less sugar or plant-based or we've watched this unfold uh, but it's turned into about 35 percent of the u.s population that are flexitarian exploring plant-based options veggie curious and in young people people under the age of 35 it's now believed to be about 60 percent so what we see is a mega trend and it took a while to convince anybody that that's real but once beyond meat with Ethan Brown, got with Carl's Jr. and Carl's Jr. introduced it, introduced the vegan Whopper, or is that Burger King? I'm I could be confusing my Whoppers. And Burger King started serving Impossible. Kind of the race was on, and so uh, we've grown from one restaurant in 2016 to 11 restaurants today with more in development. We also have a world class manufacturing facility and a food truck. But basically, what we've been doing is building the foundation or the infrastructure to accelerate. So we really see that there's the possibility of having 300, 500, 1,000 units. The market's there. Yeah, the market's there. We think our brand is good enough. So now basically the project for us has been to marry or fuse capital investment, larger and larger amounts of investment with world-class talent. When I say world-class talent, what I mean is these three guys that started it will need help for this to be as big as it can be. And so what we've been doing from our board of directors to our board of advisors to our ops, we've been bringing in people that have actually done this before. You know, our, we, our director of operations is from Chipotle. He knows what it's like to open 65 restaurants a year. One of our advisors is the former CEO of Mars Canada and also a large restaurant chain up there. He knows what it's like to build out infrastructure. So we certainly haven't achieved our dream of being the vegan McDonald's and having 500 or 1,000 restaurants. Because what we've realized is that we have to build out uh, the talent, the operational infrastructure, the supply chain, logistics. You know, years ago when we started, somebody would call me and they say, I want to franchise a restaurant in Austin. I go, great, let's do it. Not knowing that you have to build a supply chain, that there's logistics, how do you manage that? I think we've gone from a very kind of dreamy, inspired vision to kind of brass tacks, building the machine that actually is capable of doing just that. Outstanding. I love this. So uh, I have to ask, do you, do you have a version, a plant-based version of McRib on your menu? Ah, that's such a good question. <laughs> we don't, and we should. And I've actually spoken to Zach about that. And I think he's thought about it because uh, there are manufacturers out there that are that have created that. And so there are plant-based consumer packaged goods manufacturers that have figured out you know, the rib type stuff. There's like vegan everything. It's hilarious. Uh, that's a great idea, but that makes a lot of sense. And I believe that they're bringing it, they're saying it, they're bringing it back to the final farewell. I understand. Uh, that's yeah, that, what I read recently about. Yeah, that's why, that's why I asked. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that story as well. <laughs> you don't have a McRib yet. We do have the Big Zach, which is aptly named after the Big Mac. And I've got to tell you, I was a McDonald's kid. So I know what a Big Mac tastes like. It's buried back in the reptilian brain. And uh, when I tried our Big Zach for the first time, I went, oh my God, I remember this. 
from pre-14, when I was probably 13, having Big Mac. So we do have some fun stuff that's pretty darn close. I love it. Uh, Jeffrey, this has been such a fun conversation. Uh, as you know, I wrap up every episode of my show by asking my guests this single question. That is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Richard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one. I'm going to give you two. And for the price of one at no additional charge, number one is something I touched on earlier, and that is we're not limited right? We're not limited. Like we have a lot of limiting concepts in our mind about what's possible. So what I would say to people is be unlimited. It doesn't mean you're always going to succeed. Behind the success of plant power for me, there were two or three attempts to do this. And then this finally happened. So understand that you can do anything that you want to do, set off on the journey, believe in yourself. Uh, But the second thing I'm going to add is that it's all about love. You know, in the business world, people don't like to hear that word a lot around a a boardroom table, but it really is about love. So if we are in the world, you know, people are hurting out there. People are going through stuff. Everyone is. Everyone's going through something. If we can find the source of love within ourselves, however we get there, by doing our art, by falling in love, by meditating, however you get there, find a way to touch that place of love and power within yourself and share it because the world needs you to, and it makes life a lot more fun. Beautifully said. Where can people find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Well, in terms of plant power, that's easy. And for the uh, old people, I'm going to say www.plantpowerfastfood.com. For the young people, it's plantpowerfastfood.com, uh, at plantpowerfastfood, Instagram, and and uh, we're, we're definitely everywhere. Uh, if people have an interest in contacting me, I'm an open book. I'm at jeffrey.harris at plantpowerfastfood.com, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot H-A-R-R-I-S at plantpowerfastfood.com. I'm on Instagram, or as the kids call it, Insta. And because I'm so darn old, I don't really remember remember my Instagram handle, Uh, but I'm out there and you can always reach out to me through Plant Power as well. You know, they have a, a guest line and you can say, I want to talk to Jeffrey, but Dr. Richard, it was so fun uh, to be here today. I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to share a little bit of my story, hoping that it inspires others to find uh, their own purpose. Well, I I loved it. I love what you're doing. And uh, we're going to have everything. If you're on the treadmill, we got you covered. Everything Jeffrey Harrison Plant Power is going to be in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. So thanks again, Jeffrey, for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was so much fun. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to our conversation. If you like what you heard, go give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are. And post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 